Hey everyone. I was going to say good morning, but it might not be morning when you're listening. It's morning for us. So we're back. Hello. We're back. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. We are doing the Becoming Like Jesus series. So we've got the next chunk of Luke we're talking through. Mm. And um, let's do our retrospective again. Oh boy. So like the trajectory we've been on the last couple of weeks, like what have been some of the themes that Luke's been laying out that then that's the kind of momentum we carry into what we're going to read today. So we've had um, the centurion's faith and we talked about faith, highlighted that on sun last Sunday. Yeah, that's just been sticking with me. Yeah, quite a bit, um, and uh, yeah, I've been felt really convicted all since then. Just thinking about thinking about my faith and mm-hmm. thinking about what that really looks like. So mm, that was that's cool. Yeah, I feel like there's been a lot of um, Jesus being compassionate, mm. um, like healing people, like but doing things against the backdrop of um, like scrutiny and questions and people being surprised at how he's doing things. There's been an unexpectedness of what he's been doing. Yeah, Yeah. which I think is like is the fallout because we had like the Beatitudes and that kind of like Mm -hmm. teaching part of Jesus where like his kingdom, his values, his ways, we get to see a real contrast to the normal Mm -hmm. human way. Um, belief versus unbelief, yeah, miracles, surprising miracles, as you said. Um, one of the things that I that has stuck with me so far is people recognizing their need for Jesus first and going to him with a huge degree of faith, mm-hmm. yeah, um, and or just some authentic faith, really, that Jesus recognizes as authentic. Mm. Yeah, um, and then juxtaposing that with the unbelief of the Pharisees and the uh, and the questions and the examination. Yeah, yeah, and the Pharisees and teachers of the law, like they're a kind of foil for. Um, they epitomize a lot of the resistance that Jesus is facing. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, there's a repeated theme in Luke. <laughs> not just before this, but it's going to be after this mm-hmm, as well, mm-hmm. of like, dude, what are you doing on the Sabbath? Mm-hmm. But just, mm-hmm. yeah, like their <clears throat> customs. Um, I, I guess that's like the the new wineskin, old wineskin mm-hmm. right. thing was like, mm-hmm. that was a central thing for that. And so um, people's expectations being tweaked. So there's been a lot of that going on. Yeah. And the very clear way that they are to live who is blessed, who is not, the blessings and the woes, like you said, the Beatitudes. So practical, yeah. um, living words from Jesus there. Yeah. You know, one thing that stuck with me as well, and both in as we broke this down in Shelby's uh, uh, teaching on building on the rock, oh, yeah. was just this notion, he's in some ways also setting expectations of the future of, no, there will be storms. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not a question of if, but there, but when they come. And, yeah. um, I, you know, I think perhaps he's, you know, that's a little bit of the unexpectedness of Messiah coming, this expectation that uh, all's going to be, you know, right here and, and now. And yeah. there's an yes, but not yet Yeah. Um, aspect that, yeah. Yeah, like we crave peace and rest and things being right and 
and they're like they're really good desires we were designed for we've kind of twisted it because our culture's version of rest is to like binge watch friends mm. but actually like we were created to like work and be creative and mm. do things and have like a higher purpose than that but um without the conflict and resistance mm. you know that we that, that is in the world so mm-hmm. yeah it's a sort of interesting um you, you can kind of catch, I think, the undertones of some of the confusion about Jesus mm-hmm. because <clears throat> that what people may have wanted, or maybe it's just even us projecting as we read through, like, Jesus, what I want is my version of rest. I'm exhausted. I want, I want some rest, please. Right. I want some peace. I want everything to be okay. And actually, Jesus says, everything's going to be okay. Here's how we're going to go to war to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, like... And there's a, an establishing, an inaugurating of a trajectory that's going to be about love and peace and rest. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, we're going to be involved in the realization of that. Mm. So, yeah. yeah. So that's confusing so people. I think, I think there's a bit of a trajectory, actually. Like, Shelby talked about that, like, be, you know, like feet on the rock, which I think is a little bit to do with um having the right expectations like hearing jesus's words correctly and putting them into practice but then you get like next up we kind of have the centurion and it's like well how how am i gonna like stand on the rock and it's like oh like faith like that that's Mm, how you're gonna do mm. it so the faith is part of the how Mm. um and then it's really interesting because we should get to the bit of text in front of us. Yes. But it's, we have, we have John the Baptist asking some questions. The Pharisees are watching, asking some questions. And we're going to get to, in a minute, this kind of phrase, the, um, the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the purpose of God. So there was like a breakdown of listening to Jesus, understanding Jesus, and having faith. And... All of those things actually a description of that is a rejection of God's purposes. So it's this sort of interesting mm. flow as Luke puts together all these elements of what was happening around Jesus and things Jesus was doing and saying. Um, there's a sort of trajectory of some people being drawn into the kingdom and starting to become kingdom people. Mm. And then some people sadly like moving away from the kingdom and becoming actually enemies of the kingdom. But right in front yeah. of us... Let's unpack it. Yeah. ...is John the Baptist. <coughs> so mm-hmm. this is a interesting... I, I don't know, like you've had Jesus interacting with people. He's been healing people. He's been his disciples right. around. He's been teaching people, the Pharisees. And then it's like from left field, Here. John the Baptist's disciples rock up. You're like, oh, where have you guys been? What's going on? So it's almost mm-hmm. like a new character enters the stage. Mm-hmm. And this is Luke seven eighteen. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's just this monumental question here, right? Are you the one who yeah. is to come, or should we expect someone else? Yeah. And so uh, it's just that's a pretty big question here. And then uh, I love the way he's answering uh, this. Um, he, he, you know, he tells him, he points more towards what he's doing. Um, Right? Yeah. 
um, and says, no, that's my answer is what I'm doing. Uh, so what do you think's going on there? Well, because Jesus went to the Jordan to be baptized. It's kind of interesting in the way... three. Yeah, in three, Luke lays it out. Um, John's teaching the people. He's calling them to this baptism of repentance. He's prepared, like preparing the way, preparing people. So John is a figurehead of an expectation that God is on the move and the Messiah is coming and is actually laying the groundwork for people to see their sin differently, to sort of prime the pump for a message of reconciliation with God, of forgiveness, you know, of, of redemption. Um, and so he's doing that work and he's got, I mean, he talk about like, well, what do you think of the one? Because his words were to his followers, um, you know, people questioning John. He says, well, I baptize water, but there's a mightier one coming. I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals and he'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So, you know, this kind of, you know, or I'm, I'm just, I'm just doing water, but like the one, the one who's coming is going to do this work with like uh, the Holy Spirit and fire. Like, I mean, that's, you know, f- especially for like an ancient Jew, I think we've got a more comfortable relationship with the Holy Spirit, mm. but people listening would be like, oh, that's the spirit that like shaped the world or killed a hundred thousand people on the battlefield right. in one day or you know just like this awesome power so difference between john and jesus massive and so john's got this huge expectation and he's looking for this one who, who is to come and I, I guess he wants to know you know is jesus another link in the chain or is he the culmination like is he the fulfillment of that thing yeah, I almost read this as the one. Almost feels like it's like everything's on the one. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and it almost needs to be cap, full caps, almost like. Yeah. And because they're definitely going. Yeah, like you said, is it just a link in the chain here, or some, yeah, or because we can, yeah, we can do that with Jesus. Yeah. Like, is Jesus the one to us? Yeah, or is he like? Oh yeah, Jesus is really cool. Like, he's one of the people I have around the table of my life. You know, or is he like on the throne mm-hmm. of your life? So <clears throat> it is that kind of, mm. um, like realizing Jesus is the one in the sense that John meant it. Mm. You know, if John's like Jesus is the one, John's kind of mm. like, I'm done, man. Like you're yeah. here. Like go follow him. Right. Which in the other gospels, that sort of reaction of John gets told we, yeah. we don't get that here in Luke yeah. But. but yeah and it makes you kind of question like is this chronological at what point did this happen we know Luke orchestrates you know hit the this in his gospel um to, it, it, he puts things in different orders to 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 make yeah. a point and so I'm just picturing here are these disciples that had been following John the Baptist um John the Baptist possibly has heard what Jesus has been doing, maybe, maybe not. The disciples come, are sent out to question him. Are you the one? Why didn't they know already? Um, and I wonder who was the true one with the question, John the Baptist, or was this a way that he was, um, 
he he was sort of teaching his disciples mm-hmm. to go and find out firsthand yeah. so that they could then go and tell. Yeah, like I want you to go have an inquisitive look at this an Jesus encounter, guy yourself. Yeah. A personal encounter. Yeah. I know him, but do you? I yeah. don't know. It doesn't say in there, but no. as I was reading, I but was just I bet it, about I bet that. it had that effect on them. I'm sure it did. Right, so yes, that's for certain. Absolutely. For certain. When yeah. we encounter Jesus, yeah. it always has an effect on us. You know what, what What I was thinking about a little earlier is in relationship to this question, where we're doing this series on becoming like Jesus. Um, and I think it's like this question of, is are you the one? Well, if we're becoming like Jesus, I kind of want to hear what Jesus has to say, though he is like, mm-hmm. you That's know, a great point. Yeah. Um, yeah. because he's, he answers it in such a different way. Yeah. Um, because, you know, the next part talks about him, what he was doing, mm-hmm. um, how he was engaging and kind of mm-hmm. what you talked about earlier. He was out there healing. He was being unexpected, giving sight to the blind. So he replies to the messengers, go back and report to John what he, you have seen and heard that the... Yeah. And he pulls in these, you know, the blind will receive sight, the lame will walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is pronounced to the to the poor. Because uh, sort of from our vantage point, it's almost comedic, right? Yeah. But, yeah. Like, are you the one? Well, and then course, Luke doesn't course. actually give the rest of the conversation. Mm-hmm. He just says, in that same hour, he yeah. healed people, mm-hmm. yeah, delivered from yeah. people, but he did all this stuff. Yeah. Um, and he points to that, yeah, and says, "Go to give him that message." Yeah. And it harkens <clears throat> back to like when Jesus began his ministry. Mm. Luke gives us this little moment where he's reading Isaiah sixty-one, mm. which is the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He's anointed me mm. to proclaim mm-hmm. good news to the yeah. poor, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, freedom for those who are oppressed, mm. and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Yeah. And so. There's a joining up here. Like, we don't get the whole conversation. Right. But Luke's already shown us, like, if you understand the ways in which God is on the move, Isaiah 61 should prime you to know what to look for. So then Jesus saying, well, my way to answer the question is to say, well, go back and tell John, like, hey, it's like they, they come ask the question and then they see all this Isaiah 61 stuff happening. And Jesus mm. just has to say, go tell John Isaiah 61 is coming true. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's really interesting because he does answer the question. I don't think Jesus is being evasive or anything like that. He just answers a question in the way that's going to make sense to John, this prophet who is like tuned in to what God is doing, you know? Because he was countercultural, mm-hmm, he was he mm-hmm. was a countercultural movement of God. Like mm-hmm. he was definitely not just expressing culture, but mm-hmm. he was like a new thing God was doing. So he's tuned in. So that is going to answer the question for John. Yeah, he's going to get. But it's making these guys, <laughs> these messengers, think yeah. a little bit more as well. Um, I, I don't know. You know, sort of continuing on with the becoming like Jesus. I wonder when someone comes to. I wonder what the implications for us are too. You know, are our lives reflected? Because this is seems like Jesus is saying what he's pointing to is basically his heart for the lost and the, the broken and his restoration of what's been broken. Um, and when people, if we're becoming like Jesus, this notion of um, 
we're now empowered to do these same things to ha- mm-hmm. and where our hearts been transformed to act in a way that yeah, that's brings right. healing it's not just could but yes. should like yeah. th- that Isaiah 61 and and what um it says here like these are the things that are happening that's the mandate like the kingdom looks like this yeah so it's almost as if you know i was to go up to you and be like so steve do you follow the one Right. And be like, well, let me tell you about my life. That's and right. And that should answer the question. That's right. And then it goes right into the verse. I just keep looking at this verse 23, blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. And I first I thought, okay, why does, why does he say this? Um, and that, And I think, you know, part of it is just a, just a reminder to, really hold on to the truth of who I am and stay and keep your your eyes fixed on me. Don't let there be distractions. Um, what do you think about that? I think there's a great personal application mm-hmm. to that verse too, but what do you think the original intention was? Yeah, like for- what, what was the risk of offense that Jesus was encouraging them not to be affected by, mm. right? Mm-hmm. It's like this, mm-hmm. this, at that moment of like these disciples of john and john himself Mm -hmm. and then everyone watching you know Mm -hmm. having a moment of answering that question for themselves like oh jesus is the one Mm -hmm. there was a risk of something of them being offended at jesus's way of being the one yeah don't don't you think it is uh this offensiveness towards well you're not perhaps it's I had a different expectation for Messiah of the one coming in that was would do something different, and so I can't. I'm having a hard time believing that. Is that the offense? And uh, you know this this stumbling block mm-hmm. thing. Uh, I, I think you know he's also acknowledging that some are going to stumble in this. It seems like because blessed is anyone who does not stumble up you know, on account of me, mm-hmm. means some people will. Yeah. Right? And then you, Paul picks that up, right? And was it in Corinthians? He says, you know, uh, a stumbling block to um, some and mm-hmm. uh, and good news, but, you know, to others. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think, like, I'd be really, really interested to hear, like, a historian talk oh. about this. Because in a way moments of great change in culture is like there's normally a minority voice that Mm -hmm. says hey it should be this way and then people actually find that offensive and like no that's not that can't be you know and it's sort of reject the unfamiliar it's the old wine skinning of things you know um and you know on the other side of change those people who reject it can look you know, foolish, antiquated, mm, mm. kind of lost in their thinking, deceived, you know, mm. like blinkered, they were blind to things they should mm. have seen. I mean, it's that whole kind of conversation about, you know, how do you judge, um, you know, like uh, a missionary who worked on a slave plantation in that mixture of like being sensitive to their own times, mm, but mm. being sensitive to how our theology has grown and refined. Mm. And and I think there's some historians <coughs> who would say, yeah, well, there's you know, there's no real truth. There's just 
you know, whatever the dominant force is at the time mm. always tells the story of making some people look fools and some people look heroes. But I th think from a Christian perspective, we would say, yeah, we sometimes there's just change and it's not progress. But sometimes, like, given the scriptures and, like, hard work trying to search them, we can correctly say that's actually good, that's actually progress, mm. that's mm. actually true. Mm. Yeah. So, so we kind of encounter this dynamic, I think, a lot of like as we watch people interact with change, mm -hmm. of like that 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 stumbling, that sort of yes. resistance. You That's know? well, you're getting into this personal application part that I think is just fascinating, given that the series is becoming like Jesus, mm -hmm. and we can ask ourselves: Am it's I almost causing like Luke's, and Luke seeing that this is where a lot of the battle's going to lie for his readers? Yeah, he lands it right here mm -hmm. at the end of this paragraph because it's actually the end of the scene, right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, but just to apply, like, am I, what I was going to say is, you know, am I causing anyone to stumble as I am being sanctified? How am I doing with that? Do people mm -hmm. look at me and say, oh, she's a Christian and look at all the things that she's doing that that seem hypocritical. I don't want to be mm -hmm. a Christian, yeah. You know, like that's very convicting. Well, and and the next little bit here, because Jesus is going to talk about John, is like, and some people are going to be offended because mm -hmm. we can't, like, we it, this is not a call to be a people pleaser. Don't stumble anyone, don't True. offend anyone. Right. It's a call to offend people in the right way. Yes. And well, there's that, yes. It, it, yes. Like we, we become actually an, an extension of Jesus's hands and feet, his presence, his mandate, mm. his values in the world which will, like, our life should create a watershed mm. for others as they interact with us as well. Because um, that's kind of what's happening. We can go on and look at it, right? So yeah. then John's messengers are gone and Jesus talks to the crowd about John. And it's really interesting because he, he kind of affirms and bigs up John as a prophet, you know, and um, it says, like, a lot of, like, I mean, in the middle of it here, we're not going to read it all, but like I tell you, among those born among women, mm. no one's been greater than John. So like really like talks John up as someone being used by God, a prophet of God. Um, there's an interesting little bit about like greatness in the kingdom we'll have to come mm -hmm. back to. But, mm -hmm. but he says all that and then the response is like the tax collectors and the people, like the lost declared God just because they were baptized by John. So they saw in John's ministry, God at work, accepted John, had the right expectation and come to a conclusion that like God is at work in Jesus and God is being just, like God is doing a good thing. So they stand on the side of change, which is like they've accepted it. But the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the purpose of God for themselves because they were not baptized by John. So they... You know, John came shaking things up and they resisted the change, scorned the change, reject rejected the change. And like that kind of resistance and offense in them meant that they couldn't see who Jesus was and couldn't find God just. Yeah, isn't, they, they made that's like the stumbling the completely block. wrong. Yeah, they made yeah. the wrong judgment. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it's this, yeah, like interesting watershed moment that for some of these people, like, they're, they're interacting with John and then interacting with Jesus, like the algebra adds up to, oh, God is just. 
He is the one. Yeah. And then for other people, like adding it up, it's like they can't, there's a little bit of like they can't accept what Jesus is saying about John because Mm. if it's true, it means they rejected a prophet. Mm. Yeah. So the next bit's really interesting as well. So there's this, like their expectations, their interaction with John, you know, and then Jesus says, like, what should I compare this generation to? You know, like kids sitting in the marketplace and complaining like, hey, we played the flute, but you wouldn't dance. So then we sang a dirge and you did not weep. And so it's just sort of almost this picture of like, okay, so you came with your expectations and your expectations just seem like you can't be pleased. Like your your expectations can't be met. It's like you're just looking for a reason to reject because John was basically an ascetic, didn't eat anything, and you said he had a demon because of the way he lived. And here I am eating and drinking with sinners, and you say that I'm a sinner as well, you know. So it's almost, I, I think there's an expression of frustration. Like, you, you just can't be pleased. And But I don't think Jesus is just venting frustration. I think he's actually stating a frustration to try to get him to think about, like, um, your reasons for rejecting don't seem to make sense because the reason you rejected John should have made you accept me or the reason you reject me should have made you accept John. Like they're trying to have their cake and eat it. And he's like, no, there's something else going on underneath why you're mm. being offended or stumbling about me. And so he's, he's trying to get that thought process going of like, why are you really rejecting? Yeah, it's it's like he's trying to get him to say, you just haven't done the the mental math here and putting all these pieces together. Mm-hmm. Um, just pause. It is frustration of you're just yeah you, you haven't thought it through. Mm-hmm. You really haven't thought it through. Pause and think it through. Mm-hmm. And and is perhaps is that why he goes on to hey? But wisdom is proved right. Yeah, I love that her, phrase. Her children, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's almost like when you do think it through, mm-hmm. the conclusion, you know, you know, if you just pause, um, the fruit's going to bear out. Yeah, we would maybe say like a phrase like, "Well, time will tell." Yeah, but it's a kind of like, mm-hmm. yeah, as you see this play out, yeah. you're going to see how the chips fall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. I, I also, I don't want to miss just that thing in the middle there that's really important. He bigs up John. Oh yeah. And then says, yeah, the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than him. Yeah, so what's what's he saying there? What do you mean by... Uh, so I, I don't uh, think it's that. like a, an absolute declarative like valuing of the person, but John's role as the greatest prophet preparing for the kingdom mm. of God was really great, but being a participant inside in the, the inaugurated kingdom... Mm. Is the is the far better place to be? Mm-hmm. You don't mm-hmm. like it's way better to be in it than preparing for it. Mm. And so, yeah, that's a sort of. I mean, we we can look back on that, but I kind of imagine them listening and hearing John talk about John. Sorry, hearing Jesus talk about John the Baptist, who was like a public figure, a known figure as well, mm-hmm. and then. For him to say, but the one, because they don't really understand about the kingdom yet. Like, we're going to have loads of kingdom parables. Jesus is going to have to keep teaching about the kingdom. Like, people are confused about this whole kingdom mm-hmm. thing. So when Jesus says this, people must have thought, what? You what now? Like, yeah. but you just, they like, did how? not understand, I'm sure. <laughs> this must have been such a, like, mind bender for mm-hmm. them to hear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really interesting. Uh, is that why he's asking 
them as well. Like, hey, what did you come to see? Like, what were you looking for in, in John in, in the first place? Yeah. Um, and that's a good expect? way to say it, actually, because that's kind of the question he's trying to get yeah. him to think about is like, yeah, what are you looking for? Yeah. And that's maybe part of that interesting, um, like, self examination for us. Mm-hmm. Like, do we really grab a hold of Jesus as the one? Hmm. You know, I guess the like flip side of that is like, what do you, what do you really think God should be like? I mean, mm-hmm. I think about a conversation to somebody who doesn't believe. I'm thinking about one, someone in my family, maybe that I would say, okay, if you don't believe Jesus is Lord, describe what you would be looking for. Mm-hmm in a God that would convince you that he is Lord. Mm-hmm. Like, describe that. Yeah. I've, um, and that, that'd be, that's curious. Yeah. I wonder what would happen yeah. if we asked that I, question. I think the flip side of, like, another way of interacting with people I've had is where they're um, more proactively like, oh, I could never believe in God because, or I could mm-hmm. never be a Christian because, mm-hmm. and their expectations and saying, oh, yeah, I wouldn't believe that either. Good news. That's not that's the God not of the what Bible. I believe. Right, right. Like, There's yeah. that too. Yeah, yeah, that's a different one. <coughs> but to kind of test the professed wisdom by saying, okay, well, you're, you're professing to have wisdom and who you would believe in. Tell, yeah. Enlighten me. Tell yeah. me. Is part of that also, you know, even his and John's question, you know, are you the one or should we be looking for someone else? It, it seems like, you know, this notion of we all do have like we talk about today all the time, oh, I'm hoping to meet the one, <laughs> you know, yeah. in my life. Um, but we all have this one that we mm-hmm. have an expectation around. And here he's going through and kind of resetting and calling us to think it really through, mm-hmm. um, to say, That's hey, really what is the one yeah. like? And are you are you ready? Yeah. Yeah. I think about like our emotional state as well when we're searching for the one. Right. Um, there's angst, there's uncertainty, there's confusion. Like when we feel like, I think I found the one, that is such a settling moment mm. in life. Mm-hmm. There's a completeness mm-hmm. that happens. Like yeah. you feel empty when you're searching. You feel like there's this hole. Yeah. And then when you found the one. And it can be the classic like, this is the one I'm going to marry. Mm-hmm. But it can also be like, I, f- I think I found my vocation. Yeah, or I think the, I found right it, it the can thing be all you're sorts searching of things, for. Actually. Yeah. Truly, but yeah. it's it's like you're trying to find have this external thing that's filling something that's that's uh, this void. Yes, yeah, and yeah. There's, there's a craving for that sort of relationship there. with and, that one. And yeah. Whether or not that's a like you said, your vocation, a different person, a purpose. You know, yeah, you're looking for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. So we should talk about the rest of the yeah. chapter as Let's well, um, which I think it does connect to this. Mm-hmm. So in, mm-hmm. then in the midst of these kind of questions circling, Jesus once again does something surprising where people's expectations of what they thought he should do or would do crash into what he actually does. And then Jesus ends up proving like that whole wisdom would be justified by, mm-hmm. by his mm-hmm. children. Time does tell. Jesus plays it out and ends up vindicating, like, no, I'm in the, your expectation is wrong. This is right. Like, I'm right. Hmm. And so, this is like my second favorite bit of the gospel. Yeah. So, we've had like a couple of my favorites oh. the last couple of weeks. What makes it your favorite, Richard? I Tell just, us. I just love when Jesus 
takes like the marginalized downtrodden person and turns the tables on their shame in such yeah. a radical way um and so it's this sort of interesting scene you know jesus is over at the pharisee's house for dinner which is a pretty normal thing mm-hmm. to do um you know, so, they, so they, i was they would uh, have these kind of public meals to like te- test people out check them out find out about them yeah that's what i was wondering because you know he's been sort of rubbing the pharisees wrong yes. the whole time so, so this seems like well, yeah. why is he over for dinner it seems <laughs> like they're trying to investigate a little bit more to see either can we you know drum up uh oh we were wrong about him or mm-hmm. drum up it seems like their their attitude is a little bit more suspect yeah and yeah. I think there's we catch overtones yeah. here that they are. This isn't like we love you. We want to have Come you over, over for dinner, <laughs> but it is an honoring thing, mm. you know. And Simon, whose house it is, calls Jesus teacher, which mm. is kind of like an honorable. Mm. So there's like That's honor great. in there, but there's also scrutiny and like all the people around the table are kind of having questions running through their minds. So yeah, and this woman comes up and that's going to bring up some questions yeah. for sure. And so they're, yeah. they're sat around, well, not sat because they would like lay on their side, mm. Recline, mm, right? Yeah. Head towards the table, feet away from mm. the table, eat a meal. And, and that was like a way of having... Um, like a special meal. So this mm. is like the way you'd have Thanksgiving dinner. You don't just sit at the table the way you do normally. You do it differently. So it's like a special meal. And this woman comes in and she is at Jesus' feet, weeping, washing his feet with her tears, drying his feet with her mm. hair, and has brought like a flask of really expensive perfume to anoint him with. Mm. So this it's not a sexual thing. Although in all likelihood she is a prostitute, Simon says, you know, you would know she's a notorious sinner mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, but it is mega awkward because normally these public meals, like the you're not good enough to be invited and sit at the meal, but a way of like showing you're an honorable, honorable member of society would be allowed the poor to come in and at least watch what's going on. So she's one of those people who's supposed to be seen and not heard. You can watch. And, and she kind of breaks all the rules of decorum by the way she interacts with Jesus. Mm. And, it, and it makes Simon mega uncomfortable. And here's the expectation thing. He says, if you were a prophet, you'd know what she's like. And if you know what she's like, you wouldn't let her touch you because she's unclean. She's a sinner. You'd say, get off me, woman. Get out of here. And Simon thinks that's what the righteous do. Yeah, And, he and instead, to- Jesus allows her to do it. And then when Simon questions it, says, not only am I allowing her to do this, but what she's doing is actually making up for the rudeness of how you treated me Mm. because you didn't do any of the customary things to honor a guest. Like you you invited me into your home, but you did not show a lot of love Mm. and a lot of hospitality and a lot of kindness to me. You were very minimal in those things. And so not only am I accepting her, but I'm affirming her and saying she's actually doing some things that are important that you left undone. So actually, she's the righteous one, Simon, not you. And by saying these things, he acknowledges like, yes, she is a sinner, because then he goes on to say, your sins are forgiven. So Jesus, it's it's this double twist of like, um, (sighs) Simon, you know, you had these expectations 
like this is what's righteous this is what the righteous do if you were a prophet you would do these things you're right on one count if i'm a prophet i would know she was a sinner i do know she's a sinner so i am a prophet but what you're wrong about is your expectation of what a prophet would do, what a righteous prophet would do. A righteous prophet would accept the love that comes mm. from the heart that's been forgiven and would like affirm her, not shame her. And so it's this really interesting twist where she ends up having her shame removed and Simon ends up with all the shame in the room. And he goes even further than that too because he not only... Well, the forgiveness is not just, uh, you know, is, is beyond even perhaps what a, you know, is, I guess what I'm asking is a prophet wouldn't be expected to be able to forgive sins. And yeah. so he's going even further and he's saying, no, I do know, so I am a prophet, but now let me one-up that. You know, I'm, you know, he's kind of affirming his deity Yeah. in this. Is yeah, because they ask that question at the end, they're like... And, and it, this is like everyone around the table saying amongst themselves, like, who's, who's this who forgives? Like, who's this guy? Who does he think he is? Yeah. Can't forgive sins. Yeah. yeah, so that kind of riles them up. Yeah. And then yeah. at the end, I, I love this where it says, Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And um, I just think I like how this kind of demonstrates, even though she had this sinful lifestyle, um, he didn't just... Um, he didn't just show his his let her adore him. Um, he actually um, he actually recognizes her faith, her heart, um, and he doesn't convict her any further about her um, about her actions, about her sinful life. Yeah, her faith was enough. Yeah. And now he's just asking her to go in peace. Yeah. Um, which is and elevating just, faith again, which mm-hmm. after the whole elevating centurion faith. thing is exactly. like super important, like yeah. the power of her faith. Bringing but that, that that's that kind of, I mean, we talked about that on Sunday. Well, we didn't, Tim did. But mm-hmm. we, we unpacked a bit of this like nature of faith and like, like she's got a heart that is reaching out and entrusting herself to Jesus. Simon has got a heart that's like, I trust myself. And I'm sitting in judgment. Like, there's no faith. Yeah. Right. There's no entrusting himself to. There's no real listening. Simon already thinks he's already decided about Jesus. Already thinks he's in the right. And again, like the way Luke tells the story, it's just like the comedy genius because all like all of this is going on in Simon's head. Like, oh, if you were a prophet, you'd really know what's going on. And Jesus says, "Hey, Simon." Just interrupts the meal, interrupts yeah. the science. So I got something, I to, got something to say to you. <laughs> I basically, I know what's going on inside your head. I am a prophet. <laughs> Boom. How'd you like them apples? You know? Yeah. <laughs> so. uh, yeah, I like the faith thing, tying in that faith thing from, you know, what we talked about with the centurion. But even before that, when he sort of gave these, uh, you know, beatitudes, these blessedness, because she here is, she know, she obviously knows what her condition is. Mm-hmm. Right, um, and she knows what she's done, um, but yet she comes. She she needs, you know. She yeah. recognizes him, and in faith, just loves him. And it, it's similar to that thing of like, is Jesus the one? Like, what were your expectations? What like, what was fulfilled? What do you see mm-hmm. happening? And that affecting you? Like, she actually knew she needed a savior. Yeah, knew she was a sinner. Knew she she was rejected and shamed. Mm-hmm had heard Jesus 
preach mm. on the kingdom and forgiveness and had accepted of that message because mm. mm. she had a she had an expectation that was like the the tax collectors and people who followed, who mm. accepted John's mm. baptism you know she had been prepared had accepted in faith and so she has experienced like all of the weight of that shame and guilt and rejection and isolation like that Jesus actually mm. offers her like mm. reconciliation and forgive because forgiveness is freedom from all of those things mm-hmm. and so it's, it's sort of really interesting as well to see the way that um, before she would have been rejected marginalized isolated trapped in her condition like what she needed um, was like a helping hand up justice mercy grace but like the only place she was at home was on the street which was just going to mm. keep her downtrodden like her, her only means of, of life was something that would accrue more shame to herself so she's just trapped you know and and moves in the story from being that kind of person to a person who's completely free and it's this kind of contrast almost like in simon's house of jesus posing the question like why are you keeping this woman out like why mm. are you interacting with her in a way that is it's that kind of like when you when you heal on the sabbath like which of you yeah. wouldn't reach down and rescue one of yeah. your animals trapped in a ditch it's like here's a woman trapped and you would rather scorn her and reject her than lift her up, you know. And so it's just, there's layers in Luke's gospel of that sort of th- recurring theme of there's something about some human propensity to um, sit in judgment over those who are suffering and call them bad rather than acknowledge the badness but want to rescue them from it. Mm. And that's the sort of surprising thing about our God is he does things differently. Well, and is that also in in the one who can rescue yes. that? Because I, I, I'm flashing back to that verse that 23 that we discussed earlier. Here you see her not having stumbled upon who Jesus is and these things he's mm-hmm. done. Simon is stumbling on it because he's not he, he doesn't see him. Jesus is that way, yeah. um, but but she's blessed and she's elevated and yeah. she's forgiven because she's recognized. Yeah, um, and and because Simon's not seeing his need for that's the right. other interesting layer in here is Jesus says she has been forgiven a lot, which is why she loves me so much. Yeah, Simon, you have only been forgiven a little, so not you don't need forgiveness. You do. But like the dynamic of yeah. you receiving forgiveness is small in your life. Hmm. And so Simon kind of walks away from this being kind of ashamed of how he's hmm. treated Jesus, hmm. realizing that Jesus is a prophet, um, that he's in the wrong, and that his own treatment of Jesus hmm. shows him, like reveals to him that he's actually not forgiven. Hmm. And so he, you know, go at that, like your faith has saved you, go in peace. Simon's is like, your unbelief means you're not forgiven. You don't get to go in peace. So it's just the, the like the way these two people enter the room, and after Jesus does this, the way both of them leave the room, very just different, such like opposites. Yeah, and, and you know, I th- I look at the sin in here, and if we, you know, 
look at like the degree that everyone's sinning, right? Like culture would say this woman is using is sinning repetitively. She's living this very, very sinful life. Simon, well, he's he's a leader. Simon, you know, he's 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 in the in crowd. And and so it's just a little bit of a sin, you know. But um this is truly a picture of I think how God sees sin as all the same. And what is not the same as our heart attitudes towards Jesus. And so he sees that as well. And that's what he's responding to, mm-hmm. not to the degree of the sin, but the but the 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 heart attitude when it comes to faith. Yeah, because he can say, like, her sins, which are many, mm-hmm. are forgiven. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, and there's just something in the freeness with which Jesus is willing to extend forgiveness mm-hmm. you know to the worst person in the room absolutely right? and do we do that in our lives do we condemn someone because we think their sin is the worst of all sins mm-hmm. you know as as Christians are we doing the judging of of, of sinners in in place of God and mm-hmm. how can we just give that over to him because he knows the hearts and we don't yeah definitely mm. well I think Oh, well, I was just going to say that, you know, even I'm, I'm just looking at those last words uh, on here. It's um, he's equating this forgiveness of sin with being saved because like, mm-hmm. he's not saying, yes. hey, he, he, he doesn't True. just reiterate you're, you're forgiven, but he says your faith has saved it's you. Faith. <laughs> and so those faith. two peace. things, you know, forgiveness, the faith that's led to her act um, and has led to her forgiveness. This has been a saving thing as well. That, yeah, yeah anyway. and that saving is like in her relationship with God, like yeah. God has reconciled with her. Yeah, yes. her relationship with herself stands reconciled. Mm-hmm. And like relationships with others, do you think people in the community treated her different mm. after word mm. of this got out? Surely yeah. not. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's just what a. I don't know. Landmark moment in our life. Mm. Yeah. You know? Wow. Great stuff. I think there's plenty of food for thought there. Yeah. So we, yeah. that's quite a long time on quite a lot of stuff going <laughs> okay. on in this chapter. So enjoy reading, um, mulling over this, allowing God's spirit to like highlight things to you and get it into your life. Get, you know, maybe the stuff, relationships you've got, things you're wrestling with, and this is going to speak to it. And so, yeah, enjoy. And uh, next week, it's going to be the final bit of becoming like Jesus because it's almost Advent time. So, Ooh. but happy Thanksgiving! If you're yes. in Thanksgiving week, enjoy it. Thanksgiving mode as well. Mm-hmm. Enjoy. Mm-hmm.